and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, where you'll hear advice from experienced safety leaders on how to protect your people and business. I'm Peter Steinfeld. Our guest today leads emergency response by land, sea, and air. Lina Selbrady is the emergency response program lead at Stratalaunch, a world leader in aviation and aerospace design, manufacturing, and operations. From hypersonic flight tests to ocean search and rescue, Lina's careful planning, coordination, and relationship building sets her up for success in any emergency, no matter the altitude. Let's dive in. Hey, Lina, thanks so much for being here today. And thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you guys today. Well, what Stratolaunch does is really cool. So can you start by telling us a little bit about what the organization does and then talk about what your role is there? Yeah, so Stratolaunch is a uh, aviation company, experimental aviation company based out of Mojave, California. We specialize in hypersonics. That is our current objective. And we're a very unique company in the fact that there's not a lot of uh, companies out there doing hypersonics, but the United States has a need for that with China and Russia leading the way in those efforts. But we're unique in the fact that we have the world's longest aircraft, which we call carrier aircraft or rock. It is longer than a football field <laughs> and it's capable of carrying these hypersonic payloads for various customers. So it's just a general idea of what we do. We're also a composite manufacturing company. So we specialize in making the stuff in-house and then actually operating it and testing it. And there's some pretty cool videos out there on YouTube that people can check oh, yeah. out if you're curious to see this. It's staggering. Like until you see it, you don't really believe how yeah. big this thing is. Yeah. yeah. My favorite thing is when I bring our first responders in to do a tour and they've never seen it before and they walk in and they have that wow factor. They look at it and they the look on their faces, I love it. It just makes me laugh every time because they're really soaking in like, man, this thing is ginormous. And then when we show them the talent and, and everything that we're trying to do with hypersonics, it just floors them and everybody gets excited to be a part of this program. With a rather unique business, I'm just curious, what are the biggest challenges in emergency response at the organization? So, I mean, it's, there's quite a bit. The main ones I can really think of are just geography and logistics. We're not doing flight tests necessarily right in our sandbox like we do sometimes, but we're starting to stretch out farther and farther and go over the ocean. And what that does is it, it means that we have to cross several different county lines in order to get to that area of test. And so in that kind of way, we're almost like an airliner in that we have a long distance that we have to cover for emergency response and management. A component of that is logistics. Logistics for the world's longest aircraft are far more complex than people realize, right? If we have an emergency, there's not so many places that we can land. I mean, right. we can land there, but we can't turn around and take off. But a, a fun fact is that you actually have to pull carrier aircraft backwards, <laughs> taxi backwards, and then it can take off. So it's wow. not as simple as people think. And to think about like, hey, over the ocean, you know, it's a lot harder to do rescue efforts out there. It's a lot longer of a distance, takes specialized people, specialized equipment, hence why the U.S. Coast Guard has been instrumental in our planning efforts. You know, and also our range, our relationships that we have with the, the range, which I'll talk about in depth in a bit, helps us with all those planning and coordinations for logistics and response. And what's your role? What do you do day to day to keep this operation going? 
A little bit of everything. So I am the <laughs> emergency response plan lead. I also like to call myself the herder of cats because there's just so many different things that EM does. And so like, it's, it's really hard for me to nail down what I do day to day because it changes all the time. It goes from making materials and plans and training modules to teaching our first responders about our aircraft, how to respond to it, what are the danger zones, so on and so forth to doing tabletops with people internally and externally and just taking what we have, breaking it and fixing it, just kind of like we do with an aircraft, right? We test it, we go back to the drawing board, fix things, we test it again. I do the same thing daily with all of our emergency response materials and supporting docs and so on and so forth. And I would think that because of what you guys do, a lot of how you approach the job has to be with a very novel mindset because there aren't any other planes out there that big for the most part. There aren't any other people that need to do what you need to do when an emergency happens. It's incredibly novel. Yeah, it it is. I like to say that I'm a unicorn amongst unicorns uh, because (laughs) I go to a lot of these different conferences and trainings and stuff like that in my local area from FEMA courses to NTSB get-togethers. And I talk to folks and I'm usually the odd kid in the room. So in terms of emergency managers, I'm the odd kid because I'm a aviation manager, emergency manager amongst like fire chiefs and emergency management for like counties and stuff. And they're always like, who are you? What do you do? That job sounds cool. Can I switch to that job? I always get that. You always got that one retiring fire captain who's like, I really want that job. It sounds really cool. And I'm like, it's, it's unique. Aviation emergency managers are pretty rare, but then also to be an emergency manager for general aviation or experimental aviation, in my case, is exceptionally rare. So you fly United, you know, you fly Southwest Airlines, all the the major airlines, air carriers, right? right? Those companies actually have a couple people dedicated to emergency management because like they have regulations that say that they have to be able to address these things. And with the exception of just having part 450 in the FARS that says that we will have a mishap response plan, there is no requirement to have my job. There is no requirement to have a family assistance program or any of these things. But we do them at Strata Launch because we see the inherent value of having that. And what is that value that you see? What value does it bring to the organization? I mean, it brings trust. You know, we have a lot of customers and we want them to fly with us. And showing them that, hey, like not only do we take safety to a high regard, but we also think about emergency response planning. We all think about like the payloads and things that you're going to give us. Like we want to make sure that we have contingency plans. It gives us peace of mind for our employees to know that there's a plan and what their role is and how we try to communicate that role to them. There's just a lot of benefits and public trust too, because you get a lot of people who they, they look at the world's largest aircraft and some people are like, man, that's amazing. And some people go, hey, that's just a giant thing in my backyard. Like, I want to make sure I'm protected. And having an emergency management program, a full program, allows us to give that public trust that, hey, we're, we're thinking of these things so that we don't impact you at all or minimize any impact we may have. So what are some of your keys for successful emergency response? Really, the keys to success is a whole community approach. And I know that sounds like it came out of a FEMA textbook, (laughs) um, but it's true, right? Like it takes a village to get this stuff done. 
it's not just us at Strata Launch and the engineering group and the manufacturing group and Kate and me and, and the safety department. It's all of the folks. It's the people at Mojave Air and Spaceport. It's Cal OES. It's Kern County Fire. It's the range. Like it takes everybody to get this done. And your key to success is going to be planning, coordination, and that relationship building is paramount. How much of your job do you think is spent on just networking? A good chunk of it. I would say at least mm. 25 to 30 percent, if wow. not more, between talking to folks and doing tabletops with them to just understanding their capabilities and, and just them seeing my face that I don't want them meeting me for the first time on an accident. That's never good because you don't know people's personalities, their priorities, their expectations. So I spend a lot of time just meeting people. I mean, I reach out proactively. <laughs> I'm basically, I'll find out who's who in the zoo. And then I will be like, hey, can you get me in contact with this person? And I'll usually shoot them an email or a text or call or, hey, if I'm in proximity, I love just knocking on doors and showing up at firehouses and stuff. And I love it because it lets me kind of understand like their day-to-day operations. You know, I talk to other folks, especially people who don't actively work in emergency response, which I do as my night gig that I don't get paid for, which we'll talk about a bit too. (laughs) Um, They don't realize that like a lot of these emergency management groups and agencies are, are out doing their everyday job. They're responding to regular emergencies. So being able to meet them, talk to them, get in their territory, lets me know like a little bit about their availability and what their worries are for their current operations, their day-to-day stuff. So you really have to understand all these different organizations out there that you're going to lean on if you have an emergency and what their capabilities are, when they're available, things like that. And the only way to find that out is to kind of get out there and conversations in person or at least over the phone and, and really explore that. Exactly. And just in having those honest conversations, right? Like I feel that some people over rely too much on outside agencies coming to save you in Mm. which, yeah, that's what they're paid to do. That's what they want to do. But you have to look at it very realistically and that they have an entire customer base that they have to serve. So you have to kind of understand like where they're maybe stretched so that you know, hey, like, I I have to step it up in this regard, or maybe I need to look for something over here, or maybe I need to supplement by getting an outside contractor, an outside vendor to help us in these kind of things. And the only way you can do that is just having those conversations. Yeah, without a doubt. Or they can be there within three hours, but I need someone there within one hour. So now I'm going to have to cover those additional two hours until they get there, right? These little things can expose themselves. Exactly. And, And also just like, it's the personal aspect of things too. Like you're building rapport with each other and you're bonding with those folks. And, you know, when the a bad day happens, like you guys are going to be bonded for life in that regard. So you, you got to know those people because they're going to be in the trenches with you, grinding it out. With that in mind, what are some lessons that you've learned uh, over your career and especially your time at Strata Launch that you apply to your role today and could be valuable for other people? And not only just at Strata Launch, but throughout my career. I think a lot of folks think, oh, your aviation safety or aviation emergency response, you, you must not get a lot of calls. And that's not true. Nine years ago, almost nine years ago to the day, my former company, Scale Composites, we had our accident that was very public and it was very stressful. And that gave me a ton of lessons that I try to trickle in here at Strata Launch. 
especially because Scale Composites was the original manufacturer of our carry aircraft. So a lot of our former employees from Scale are at Strata Launch too. So with that, you know, I thought a lot about self-care, why that's super important, both as an emergency manager and then people who work in just operations in general, because you can't give yourself 100% if you yourself are, are burned out. I learned that keeping our first responders aware and trained in what we're doing in our operations is even more critical. It's not just a one and done thing because you get crews rotating through all the time. So you got to make sure that everybody has at least had some exposure to your aircraft and, and systems and operations. I realized that the role of media is super important in cultivating, you know, your communications outside of an emergency. They say, what is it? Uh, I think it was like 95% is done, you know, for crisis comms is done prior to, and then the other 5% is the actual response to it. Mm-hmm. Like that is so beyond true because yeah, it's, it's super important that you have media involved in your process. So is that part of your network as well that you reach out to ahead of time? Like you kind of cultivate relationships with media. So if something does happen, you're prepared to, you know exactly who to call. They know who to expect to call from and things like that. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I basically try to find who our public information officers are for our respective agencies. And then Kate Squires, who is our communications manager, just I just assist Kate in what she needs and that information so we can create that crisis communications plan. We want to make sure that we give information that's quick, accurate, timely to the public, to our families, to our stakeholders. And that is a huge piece (laughs) that I don't think people realize that many organizations might be missing. Yeah, what advice do you have to help organizations maybe communicate better when they think about internal and external communications? What are some of the pitfalls you've seen in the past and ways to correct that? I think just have a plan. I mean, just that's your very first step is just to have a plan. Um, And in that plan, list like who you're trying to communicate to, like your employees, you make sure you do your external and internal stakeholders. And then just think about how that messaging is going to be conveyed and make sure that you have folks who are trained on how to deliver that message. Um, And then later, once you get that established, like those, those are just the baby steps. Then I think it's really prudent to start reaching out to media and having them very aware of what you're doing in your operation so that they know that they can do you justice uh, when it comes to uh, situations, right? A good example of that, I refer back to our accident that we had on Halloween of 2014, uh, PFO4 is what uh, we call it. And how before many of us even knew that we had lost Mike Alsbury, that we had somebody live tweet that they had found a deceased person. Mm. And that sucks. That sucks Mm -hmm. because that's not something that we got to hear from leadership. And it sucks because us as a family, a skilled composite family, like we should have been able to hear that before everybody else did. And that kind of, it causes harm. It really does. It can cause harm. So having media who understand the human elements behind a mishap, that you want to be honest and truthful and tell that truth, but you also want to make sure that it's delivered in a way that doesn't cause more harm to the people who are really hurt by this event. 
Yeah, it seems like miscommunication and or lack of communication can really lead to a lot of problems or blow things out of proportion that could so easily correct it if you just had the right communication ahead of time. So in your experience, what's the way to get good at that? Practice, (laughs) like honestly practice. I've been trying to, once again, remember how like, hey, yeah, you know, connect with the other folks and intermingle. One of the coolest things I've been able to do is I've been able to be part of a team that was like evaluating another group. So there's this nuclear energy plant kind of near where I am. And I got invited to go watch one of their drills on their JIC, their Joint Information Center. And watching how they work together as a group was phenomenal. And I'm going to cheat off their homework. 100% good cheat off their homework. And so like I recommend going around, meeting these groups, asking to sit on their tabletops and learning from their methods and adapting it to what you have. So the way they actually had this systematic approach allowed them to make sure that they had a cadence that they were going to release messages, that they got everybody involved. Like they had, they're like, we got the judge, we got the mayor, we got us, we got nuclear commission. And then they did a huddle and they did their little caucus and then they go through and this is what we want to say. And this is how we're going to say it. And then they would go and they, they would do their press briefings. It was amazing to watch. So I highly recommend you guys intermingle with those groups and, and watch what works for them and cheat off their homework. <laughs> you know? And what's the best way to reach out to folks like that? It can be intimidating, but should it be intimidating? Oh, yeah. or? It, no, it shouldn't be. Honestly, like if you guys find me on LinkedIn or whatever and you guys reach out and be like, hey, Lenny, can we chat? Like I'm more than welcome to help you guys out on those things because I know I can learn from something from you too. A good way to start is attending some of these FEMA courses because you're going to meet a lot of people attend different conferences, same thing. Don't be afraid to give out your card, shoot your shot, say, hey, really interested in what you guys do. Let's collaborate. And if they truly believe in the spirit of whole community, like which we've been trying to preach as emergency managers, then they would absolutely be willing to have conversations with you. That's great. And it seems like all the competitive walls come down when it comes to emergency management. It's like, hey, it is a community. We're all in this together. What impacts you could impact us. And let's share ideas. Let's make sure we can respond to these things when they occur as a group. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And kind of mentioning the another thing I want to talk about when it comes to just like making sure that you got good uh, communications is that, you know, anytime we do tabletops, like it's a good way for us to test how we communicate and then reassess and readjust so the other advice I have for people is to just do tabletops. They don't, they don't have to be full drills. Just get a couple people in a group and then run through a scenario and just have open conversations within your own department. And then throw some external agencies in there too and just have these combos. Emergency response planning is very much an iterative process because you cannot think of everything that might go wrong. So to your point, just having a tabletop starts to having the discussion and then you go, oh, well, we didn't think about that. And mm-hmm. then you go off and fix that. And then you have your next one. You, oh, we didn't think about that either. Don't feel like you have to boil the ocean. Just start exposing these things and tackling them one at a time. Exactly. It's impossible to try to predict absolutely everything that could happen. But after a while, you start to get your blinders on and you can't see anything besides what you just see right in front of your face. And then somebody throws something out there and they're like, what if, you know, we had a fire alarm happen or a fire in the hangar? Well, we're actually flying and then MCC has to evacuate. You go, hmm. Well, <laughs> I, right. I never thought of that, you know? And it's, it's great because the only way you get that is from having 
different people in the org with different experiences to look at something totally different. It's the whole, you know, iron sharpens iron concept of things. And mm. I appreciate, I would say I have customers in Strata Launch because they're all like all of the employees are part of my customer base. But I appreciate any of the groups from MCC to family assistance to go team to crisis comms with somebody going like, hey, I thought of this and I really want to try this. Or do we have a planner process for this? Like, I don't see that as threats. Like, I'm not like, only I can think of the emergency stuff. Like, no, no, no. I love it because I go, okay, cool. Like, let's drill it. Let's try it and see if it sticks. I welcome that. I love that because they're thinking of these things and thinking outside of the box in ways that I don't either have like the capacity to or just haven't seen it from that angle before. So I love those kind of that feedback. Well, switching gears a little bit, as if your day job is not enough for you, I understand you're also a search and rescue volunteer with a Texas search and rescue or better known as Texar. How does continued service in this area enhance your ability to be successful in your role? Yeah, so I mean, I will, I absolutely have to give a shout out to both Texar and Stratalaunch in this regard because I don't get paid to do Texar. And like the moment I turn off my Stratalaunch computer, I go back to doing Texar stuff. But Stratalaunch has been really great about like letting me go and serve my community because they see the inherent value of that too. So there'll be times where maybe we might be a little bit slower at work and we'll get a call out and I'll tell my boss, I'm like, hey, I got a call out. I got a mission. And he's like, all right, go have fun. Be safe. Because they know that like having your emergency manager actively working in emergencies is good. So many emergency managers, at, who, especially for like private entities, like maybe not for like county because they're busy. They're really busy people. But I would say more of the corporate emergency managers. Sometimes we don't really get a lot of opportunities to test our skills. Mm. And that's nothing bad about it. You know, it just puts us at a disadvantage, right? Because we're not able to practice different things in different scenarios. So the fact that Stratalaunch is so giving in that regard that they, one, they like altruistic stuff. They're like, cool, awesome. We're helping the community. And then two, the fact that they see the value in allowing, <laughs> allowing the emergency manager to go traipsing through the woods or riding around on a boat trying to find people. They're like, yeah, no, sweet. She'll just come back with better ideas, more experience, more knowledge, more exposure, more connections. It's fantastic. I love it. Search and Rescue is, if I could get paid to do it, I would I would do it all day. I don't get paid to do it and I do it all day anyways. (laughs) (laughs) And night, apparently. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And night. And night. And weekends. I used to tell myself that I would never buy pizza because every time I would buy myself pizza and sit down for like a pizza and beer night, I'd always get a call out. Of course. <laughs> always. Always. I'd be like, I'd pull up one piece of pizza. I'd sit down. And someone's like, we got a lost person with dementia. I'm like, I guess I'm taking my pizza with me. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Now, is Texar unique or are there lots of analogs to it throughout the country? So what I'm thinking about here is for the listener, how could they get involved in something like this in their local community? It really depends on your state. So if you're in California, they're usually attached to your local sheriff for your county. And their capabilities vary county to county. Some of them, like Ventura County, have like rope rescue stuff and some really cool intense things. And then if you get out of the state, like New Mexico and Texas, there are nonprofits that are not attached to any organization. In fact, that they almost have to vie for 
I'm going to say vie for position, but you need to get your name out there. So your local police department knows to call you if there's Mm. an emergency. So that takes a lot of training, a lot of trust building, a lot of professionalism. We spend a lot of time at Texar just trying to make those contacts, try to make good with those contacts. So when they do call us, that we provide them with the utmost service that we can and really getting our names out there. So if you're an emergency manager, like you can absolutely leverage these groups out there. If you kind of know, like know what's in your state, like if either they're a county entity or they are a private nonprofit and leverage them because they're a force multiplier and join them, join them. I like try to join them if you can, because there's just something about it. One of the questions I would ask when I would interview people for jobs is I say, quote, you come home at the end of the day and you plop down on the couch and you say, I have the best job in the world. And I say, what happened in that day for you to feel that way? And the answers people always would give it surprise me. And to me, I think of that when I sit down at the end of a long day with Texar on choppy, nasty waters or bashing through bushes looking for loved ones. And I think about that at Strata Launch when I sit down and I get excited about Strata Launch. And I think what it is, is that when you push together through something as a collective, whether it's flight tests, putting the world's largest aircraft in the air, or whether it's trying to find somebody who's been lost and return them to their loved one, it's just pushing through something hard together with a group of folks. And just, it doesn't matter what the outcome is. I mean, yeah, rescuing somebody is great. Getting, bringing somebody back to life is super great. It's a great feeling to have, but it's the fact that you together as a group went through something very hard together and and saw through to the end, regardless of the outcome. And I don't know. It's just, that's why I get stuck at places like Strata Launch. And that's why I get stuck at places like Texar is because people like to do that and are all about that. Well, it certainly is very fulfilling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely fulfilling. Well, as we start to wrap up, are there any final thoughts or words of advice for emergency responders that you'd like to share, whether or not they're in the private or public sector, something that you're really passionate about? I mean, man, so many things. So they're always welcome to go hit me up and we can absolutely chat. I don't mind chatting with folks, but I think first and foremost, prioritize your self-care. This emergency management is difficult. It's hard, even doing search and rescue, difficult, hard stuff. So you need to make sure that you have a strong support network at home, strong coping mechanisms, providing enough time for yourself to enjoy yourself. So that's key because you can't help other people if you yourself are hurting or are burned out, right? It keeps you battle ready. The second, I would say, is be willing to learn. Never stop learning. I'm learning new things every day, but be willing to learn from people at all levels. Like I learn so much from not just senior members of Texar, but I learn stuff from beginning people who just begin. And the same with Strata Launch. Like I don't just learn stuff from the fire captain at the airport, but sometimes I learn it from an engineer who just thought something random and like proposed an idea I didn't think was possible. So be willing to learn. And then lastly, build those relationships. You absolutely have to build those relationships. And it can be uncomfortable, you know, because people are like, oh man, I got to put myself out there. 
have to show people that maybe I don't know everything, but that's just going to make you better. And it's going to give you a better product for your company and for the public. Without a doubt. Well, Lena, thank you so much for being on the show today. You've been uh, very forthcoming with a lot of your great advice and uh, career experience. And I hope our listeners really enjoyed it. Awesome. I thank you guys so much for having me out here. Well, to learn more about Lena and her work with Stratalaunch, click the links in the show notes. Tune in next week for more expert advice to help you protect your business and people. For video highlights from today's episode, just search for The Employee Safety Podcast on YouTube. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Have a safe week, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, the industry's most intuitive emergency communication and threat intelligence solution. To learn more about how to protect your people and business during critical events, visit alertmedia.com. Until next time.